0: oh i forgot
1: (laughs) (laughs) wait what was that what just happened (laughs) what would you forget like you were screaming something (laughs) at the same time you were clapping what just happened i
0: don't know (laughs) (laughs) right do that again
1: (laughs) okay here we go ready What's up, y'all? I'm Zach. And
0: I'm Mr. Face. Welcome to Fireside Swift. How is it going, Ben? I'm doing really well, thank you, Zach. I, uh, since I spoke to you last, I have got a job. Well, I'm about to start a job when I get back from holiday, so that is a, a massive win for me. Six months <laughs> working in London on a contract in the office, so mm-hmm. um, not necessarily looking forward to it, but I'm really pleased to have some money coming in.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. No, I mean, having a check to, you know, kind of fill up that bank account is, is always nice. Um, things like rent and food, it's good to pay, be able to pay for those. Uh, yeah. But also yeah. your, your honeymoon, is that all squared away or is that still... I, well? Y-
0: yeah, Barclay Card and NatWest have all have all covered that for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've, I've had the wedding, I've had the wedding and the honeymoon booked without working for the last uh, three or four months. So yeah, it's, it's all mostly on credit card, and my my funds are drastically <laughs> going to zero. So by the time I get paid, it will probably just be at the moment that, that the debt collectors are knocking on the door. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, so it's it's uh, it's an interesting role. I'm going to be working on the I think I can say it on the BP app. So mm-hmm. do you, I presume you I presume you have BP there. Do you a big like Shell?
1: Yes. Yeah. We gas have BP. station.
0: Yep. Yeah, and they have an app called BP Me, and it's actually in the the iTunes top ten in navigation. I think. Oh, I think nice. It's like number nine, and um, so they've got millions of users, and that's kind of globally as well, mm-hmm. and um. Yeah, so you can probably get it there, and I think I'll be the only developer on it for. I, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. It's all. I'm kind of in the dark on a lot of it at the moment. But mm-hmm. I think I'll be the main iOS developer for the next six months. Just you know, bug fixing, adding features, uh, everything we usually do, and hopefully, I can. Hopefully, on my own, I can cope with that kind of responsibility. <laughs> but um, Yeah, it's well paid. It's no no remote work, which is really really irritating. But uh, so you're gonna be heading into
1: London every day, huh? Five days a week I'm
0: gonna be going to fenchurch Street and cycling to Regent Street, so that's about a twenty five minute bike ride each way. Um I have considered Oof. getting an electric bike though, but then I thought I'd I'd be taking away my only exercise because I won't <laughs> get into the gym as much, so yeah. And about two and a half grand. So I don't necessarily want to do that yet.
1: Well, that's understandable. Still, congratulations on the job. I know it's uh it's a weight off of your shoulders. You don't have to worry about
0: anything massively hopefully uh i'll be on again at some point and i can tell you about how it's going um, Cool. Uh, yeah, yeah how's wait. things your end
1: things well. are going well you know the job is is still ticking away uh i just had my official like annual review it's my first annual review because i just passed one year with my company um things oh, are looking congratulations. great yeah they they haven't complained about me too much so that's always nice um and <laughs> uh good. Football season is starting up here in the states, and I, I love uh, American football, so I'm looking oh, forward to that. Is that where that. those
0: annoying klaxon sounds come from? Klaxon sounds. What, honestly, some people like I just hear it on various American things. They just kind of go new, new, new like that, <laughs> <laughs> and and it's always when people are trying to be cool, like on a on a radio show or something. And you're like, what the hell is that annoying sound? And I always imagined it was from
1: uh, American football. <laughs> do you know what i mean i don't i have zero idea of what you're talking about <laughs> oh, wow. that, that's
0: it hold, hold on a second am um, um, let's see oh no that, that's not gonna work um <laughs> it's yeah it was yeah some, someone used to use it all the time and it was absolutely horrendous and i think i looked it up but i'm glad that it's not part of american football that is I really mean- huge over there
1: isn't it yeah, well, yeah, no, it is. They actually had uh, the first official game last night between, or well, NCAA game last night, uh, the kind of collegiate level football, which I'm more into, um, against the University of Miami and uh, the Florida Gators. So that was fun to watch. My my team uh, is the Texas A&M Aggies. They played Thursday night. So hopefully uh, we come out with a win.
0: Well, well good good luck to you.
1: Yeah, I think we're I think we're gonna need it. It might be uh we have a young team this year and a, a pretty stacked schedule, so it's gonna be an interesting ride.
0: It's strange how like football in America is like the dominant sport and football in England is the dominant sport. But they're, but different, they're two sports, different sports. And they're yeah. called the same thing. <laughs> so if you call your sport football, you're probably gonna do well <laughs> regardless of what it is.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no the- Right, yes, <laughs> we should come up with our own sport and just call it football and then you see don't what happens. You do not even
0: use your, your your feet that much
1: in American football. Not a you ton. run with it, I guess. Yeah, you, when you run even a ball. It. It's hard you kick it off. A ball. You ki- you kick it off and uh, you kick field goals and you can punt. It's like the the special teams, which is what those activities are called. The special teams side of the the football game uses the actual foot. Everything else is, is typically hands. <laughs> and handball is a sport already, maybe, so they were just like, Well, we'll just go with right. football. Well maybe they're like, you know, handball just isn't that catchy and they looked over to Europe and they were like, Man, football, that does that has a ring to it. And then I thought for a minute there, oh yeah, but then they had to change its name to American football. And then I realized that's not actually what it's that's, called. We don't we don't call it American football over here, we just call it football, and then we call soccer soccer.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, okay. <laughs> we call yeah, sensible soccer.
1: Yeah. (laughs) today we are being sponsored by Sentry yes you've heard us talk about Sentry before Um, you know they're great to have because writing software is difficult we don't always write perfect code and um, even when we do write perfect code today it doesn't mean that what gets layered on top of it tomorrow is going to be perfect and all of these uncertainties can lead to misbehaviors and crashes in your code and You don't want that, right? You don't, you want, you're working hard to provide a good experience for your user. And if you have a crash, obviously it's not a good experience. Sentry will send you a a stack trace when your app misbehaves or crashes. This means you'll be able to triage exactly what's happening. You'll get, uh, email alerts and a dashboard, which will help you solve your issue as quickly as possible. Um, being able to get ahead of the issue and get a fix out, hopefully before a lot of these people or a lot of your users see it, means that you'll end up with overall happier users and overall better reviews in the App Store, right? So it's free to get started, but there are plenty of fe- premium features that do cost a little money. The good news is we've got a promo code that you can use if you want to start using those premium features. So if you're new to Sentry, you can go to Sentry.io and enter the code Firesight Swift all one word to get $100 credit on your account. Uh we'd like to thank Century again for sponsoring Fireside Swift. Uh so Ben, no follow up this week. In fact, we're actually recording this one a little early. Um I think you're going to be out of town when this actually goes live.
0: I am going to be in the Maldives when this goes live. So I'll be sitting on a beach sipping some kind of cocktail, listening <laughs> to this, listening to myself. This is uh, this really. As, as I is, love that to some,
1: do. is that really something you want to be doing on your honeymoon? You should be like, honey, honey, listen well, to this, listen to this. No <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be like, okay, I've I've kind of already had enough of you. Uh she recognises your voices
0: now. She's like, Oh, that's Zach and Steve, yeah. So that's quite <laughs> oh, nice. That's
1: that's not a good sign. <laughs> Oh, well, fair enough. <laughs> uh, all right, so yeah, no follow-up this week. I kind of want you to take the segue.
0: Oh, right. Okay, well, I've... Have... <laughs> so, Zach. So, Ben. Um, There are three things in the world and the universe, aren't there? <laughs> <laughs> Only three, right? It's what... Only um... three. There's, there's uh, liquids... Okay, liquids. Yes. <laughs> there's there's uh, gases. Yes, and uh, I can't remember what the third one is. Is it um, plasma? Um, no. Nope. Wait. Is, oh no. Isn't no. That, uh, isn't that a
1: uh, kind of liquid? I don't. I don't believe so. <laughs> um, wait. So liquids, gases, uh, solids. You're going with solids. Solids yeah that's the one this is the quickest segue (laughs) ever you've you've absolutely (laughs) hit hit the nail on the head (laughs) perfect solid yes so it's interesting like not only is solid a physical state of being right but it's also kind of a uh a formula in software engineering or just just software architecture right
0: yeah and it's not necessarily in that order is, I think it was it was released and not in not called Solid, but then someone pointed out to him, "Oh, it spells the word, letter, the word Solid <laughs> if you arrange it." So then from then on, it was the Solid principles.
1: Um, <laughs> it was original Lid OS. Lid OS. Yeah, yeah,
0: I bet it was. I bet it was something like that. <laughs> um, uh, so
1: so let's talk about yeah. what Solid is, right? So it's it's an acronym and it's supposed to help you remember five design principles of object oriented programming. Um it was introduced by kind of a a big a well-known programmer his name is Uncle Bob uh back in 2000 he's a software engineer and outside of solid he's also one of the authors of the agile manifesto so he's um he's known for kind of kind of uh putting thoughts and ideas together about software professionalism
0: yeah he's kind of a big deal <laughs> <laughs> and, He's uh, kind of
1: a big deal, yeah
0: <laughs> I, I should, yeah, so cards on the table The reason we're covering this Is because of how horrifically I fluffed an interview the other day <laughs> when, when they asked me to they asked me, who invented solid, and can you name the principles and tell us something about each one? And I just, I mean, I didn't have any sleep, to be fair, but <laughs> I just—I blanked on every single one, apart from the first one. And um, and I didn't know that it was, uh, well, Robert C. Martin, or Uncle mm-hmm. Bob, who actually came up with them. So I just looked like an absolute amateur in their eyes it was an odd thing to ask but I feel like it was something that I should have known and Mm -hmm. I've spent the last two weeks just completely deep diving on it although as you'll (laughs) realize I still don't quite understand a couple of them um but yeah so that's why we're talking about it and it's I found it that I found that I have been doing a lot of these principles just because that is best practice as I've learned it as best practice but I haven't understood it in such a way like this before it's it's Mm -hmm. a really useful concept to understand I think
1: yeah, I I agree. And it's funny, you know, you you told us about that that interview you had trouble with and you said, you know, they asked about solid. And this is something that I had actually studied in school for a little bit. Um and I could remember. I think I remembered two of the five principles and everything else was just kind of uh, off the top of my head, making fun of everything um so it's a good thing to go back and refresh yourself with also if someone is out there and they're trying to land a job and they end up in the same situation that you did, maybe hopefully you know they'll be familiar with what solid is,
0: yeah, and at the very least if like i th- I think i don't know about you, but i think if you're if you're new to app development and software engineering and architecture. It's probably easier to knuckle down on the solid uh, architecture, uh, solid principles, rather than going the long way that I did, which was years (laughs) and years of not understanding the best practices and not being able to fit it into a single uh, solution and way of thinking. Um, Mm. I wish I had knuckled down on this in the first couple of years, and (laughs) because I didn't, yeah, I still now everything kind of makes sense. It's learning it. It's just... It really has opened my eyes as to why I do everything the way I do it. It hasn't Mm -hmm. really changed my development practices, but I've stumbled into the solid principles (laughs) without realising it.
1: Right. Well, I mean, it's good to get there. Um, And I... You know, like you said, you were doing it without realizing why you were doing it. But this kind of yeah. just formalizes and uh, you know sets a precedent for why you're doing what you're doing. And that, that the idea behind these solid principles, it's kind of to fight that spaghetti code that you can tend to have in a larger project. And it's it's also meant to make your code loosely coupled and more reusable. Um, I think those were the main ideas behind why the solid principles became as big as they are in software engineering.
0: Yeah, I think I've been I've been reading the book, um, the 20, his twenty seventeen version of his Clean Architecture book, and he, uh, he 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 shows a few graphs, and they're really telling. And I think it's also to do with clean. Uh, well. Solid also goes alongside doing like proper OO and Agile and TDD Mm -hmm. and all of this is kind of intertwined with kind of best practices and he basically said that using these techniques you could, uh, you'll basically be able to maintain a similar cost per line throughout the level of your um, software engineering as yeah your Mm -hmm. software life cycle but then he showed a a a graph of version one to version eight of a particular software (laughs) which he he wouldn't say what one it was and it was just it was effectively exponential or, (laughs) or even worse and the amount of developers doubled as well so by the time someone said okay we need to change this because it's not architected correctly they needed to spend months just to add a like a tiny little change that would otherwise take 10 seconds if it was in a separated module that you could Mm -hmm. only had one responsibility and um i thought that was fascinating there's actually just solid (laughs) solid proof that it does actually that it would work and not using it is can be really detrimental you might save some time in the very short term as in not thinking about your architecture but then it will really pay off as those versions add up and you have to add new things Mm -hmm. um yeah, so there's a lot of proof that that they're the way to go, and also it's kind of industry standard as well. So you can jump into any uh, any bit of software in any language and potentially just pick it straight up.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's yeah. a fantastic explanation. Where was that in the interview? I know, right? So this is going to be
0: my my uh, fu to the uh, to the interview. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> well, my All thank right.
0: you. I think my thank you for the interviewer <laughs> because I wouldn't have knuckled down on this had had that not happened to me.
1: So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty pleased. Yeah, no wait, better it's, motivation. It's better to be positive than negative, right? Yeah, All right, yes, so you, exactly. ready, you ready to jump into uh, the principles themselves?
0: Yes, of course.
1: All right, well, let's start with S, which stands for the Single Responsibility Principle. Uh, this basically states that a class, or really any block of code, should only have a single responsibility, um, which means... Only changes to one part of the software specification should be able to affect the specification of the class. Um, Basically, does everything in a class or struct make sense together, right? If I have... uh, Well, do you have any sort of example you want to go into? Um,
0: Well, this is the one I don't necessarily have an example for. But um, but I I liked... Yeah, I I liked the idea of... um well, what you were—I can't remember—was talking about it a bit earlier. So the so, MVC, like the massive view controller example, is a—it it was your idea, and I think that actually makes a lot of sense in terms of Swift development for our listeners, anyway.
1: Right. Yeah. So, like, um, one of the one of the problems you hear a lot about in iOS development, and Swift development, is this thought of these massive view controllers, right? So you have you have a view controller, and instead of just having it handle. UI related things. It all of a sudden it gets shoved. You know, business logic gets shoved in there. Um, networking gets shoved in there, and you have this line, this file that's thousands of lines long because it's trying to handle every single part of what could possibly happen with that view. When that's not really what you want to have with the view controller. Um, once you get to this point, you're you're breaking the single responsibility principle, right? Have your view controller mm-hmm. just handle the view side of things, um, and then you know break off networking into its own file or its its own like kind of module, as you said earlier. Uh, yeah. Have the, have the data source be its own module, and that way, as you separate. Each of these pieces out, they become more reusable. Your code becomes less coupled and you're able to make changes more easily. And I mean it's finding the functionality just becomes easier, right? Like you're not scrolling through files that are thousands of lines long looking for the one line where you need to make a change to get your whatever you're trying to to update updated, right? Yeah, I think
0: Yeah, that's a that is a really good example, and um, yeah, the the traditional one um, is referring to uh, an employee class that simply so and which a lot of people have a user class, so it's a similar situation. Whereas an employee in your company can calculate its own pay, he can save himself to the database, and he can do numerous other things. And I think a lot of people misunderstand that. Uh, a class should only do one thing <laughs> but that it's it's having one reason to change not doing mm-hmm. one thing so it can do everything that is effectively related to an employee as long as it is directly related to an employee you could have you could have you could still have loads and loads of methods but mm-hmm. having it responsible if someone comes up to you and says we want to change um the way that the uh we calculate the pay that shouldn't be your responsibility of an employee. That that should be <laughs> over in some sort of pay manager class mm-hmm. that, um, that 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 can use an employee if necessary. And also anything to do with the database, of course, hasn't got anything to do with an employee. You should be able to switch out a database of the employee knowing nothing about it whatsoever. And um, yeah, I think I, I've spent a lot of my uh, quite a few first uh, years of my development thinking not understanding this principle thinking that it only meant one single res- the, the idea of vo- responsibility doesn't really make sense to me like that, that wording but when you hear mm-hmm. it as reason to change it makes sense and that's the kind of description of it uh, every object should have a single no more than one reason to change mm-hmm. and I, th- I feel like that kind of makes more sense to me uh, yeah but it's one of the simpler ones, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, no, that's true. And in, before we jump into the second one, I want to take a step back and uh, go over what what coupled means. Because I realize we've been talking about it a little bit, but we haven't actually defined it for someone who doesn't know necessarily what coupled is.
0: It's a bit more of an advanced topic this week, I think.
1: But yeah. It's still I, worth knowing. I agree. So, so code—you can say code is tightly coupled when changes to one function affect another function. For instance, right. So if I had ob- a uh, what's that? Well, I was I was, not? yes. Well, it's, oh, okay. it's anything, Sorry. right? You can have functions that are tightly coupled. You can have objects that are tightly coupled. I was just trying to to break it down as small as possible. But yeah, oh, okay, okay. Sorry. Objects. Ob- it works for objects too, and that's mostly what you know, solid kind of addresses is that tight coupling between objects. Um, but yeah, if, if I had to change an employee object as been uh, alluded to earlier, if I had to change an employee object to update the way pay was calculated, that means my pay is extremely coupled or extremely tightly coupled to my employee. And that's not really what you want because they do uh, need their own functionality. And so, loosely coupled means that they're separated and you can change um the functionality of one piece without really affecting the functionality of another piece
0: yeah i think oh have i lost you that sounds
1: like have no, i lost you i'm here <laughs> okay, i'm on. here Sorry. Ben, you haven't <laughs> lost me ben i'm not going anywhere <laughs> don't leave me
0: <laughs> the audio went really funny there for a second yeah i think that's a good uh, uh a general good overview of that so pretty much every one of these solid principles uh, revolve around the same concept of decoupling i think Mm. is is reasonable to say in one way Mm. or another making sure that objects are small and modular and don't know about anything else you can test them individually you can run an object on its own you can run tests on it um while not connected to the internet and (laughs) nothing will go wrong and i think that that's fundamentally what you end up with solid i think and this is one of the probably the most important principle if there was an order in which they should be uh ranked
1: (laughs) i agree in Uh, fact you you brought up a really good point there is you know (laughs) if you start building um xc tests and you say you want to test your employee uh functionality and you start writing all the the tests for your employee um object, and you realize you have to start bringing in a lot of other types of modules that you can't really or objects that you can't mock very well then you that's kind of a code smell that's a kind of an indicator that something is is kind of going wrong and you may want to look look at what you have and maybe try to refactor it so it's less coupled
0: yeah i think that's good and there's a bunch, there's a, a couple of other um, principles in here as well that directly refer to that as well the kind of inability to mock is not a good is, is a terrible thing really i know a lot exactly. of people ignore tests but at some point you'll probably be in a company that are doing it and your your life will be better eventually i presume you're not doing it at the moment zach are you doing much tdd or
1: well we're not doing tdd but we do have decent test coverage for um our software so you
0: write, you write good solid code and then come back afterwards and add tests.
1: That's what we try to do. In fact, um, <laughs> for some of this sign-in with Apple stuff that I did, uh, I went back and I rewrote a bunch of the tests that were around our login and logout functionality. Um, yeah. And it's, what's really cool is you can turn on code coverage for a certain file, and I can't remember how to yeah, do it now. That but is fantastic. Well, oh, no, you don't need to turn it on in Xcode.
0: You, can get, it, you get it for free.
1: Okay, well, I think there's oh, a I place what you mean there's a place to find it, and I can't remember where that place is, right, So you can run a test that is supposed to be over a certain file, right, and then you can sh- see yeah. how much of that file was actually tested when you ran that test.
0: Oh, yeah, I misunderstood, yeah, you're right. I think it's some sort of code coverage ribbon or something it's called, and yeah. Um, it's so useful. It's amazing. It comes up in nice, like, red and green down the side mm-hmm. to tell you whether or not that code has been run and how many times it was run during your test suite. Mm-hmm. Um, did you, do you also use the one uh, on the far right pane on Xcode? There's an option to show you each every single function in your, or every single object in your project, and it will tell you what code, percentage code coverage you've been given for that particular object. Yes, that's that?
1: actually that's actually what I was talking about. Not the the ribbon, but oh. the ribbon the ribbon also exists. Yes. Oh, okay.
0: Well, I did know what you're talking about the first time. then. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So that's that's I love that because I I actually spent a while in my last company just desperately trying to get a couple to 100, percent which was just good fun, <laughs> and like making yeah. sure that all the guard statements were checked and all of that sort of thing.
1: Yep. Um, so yeah, that's our, that's our test tangent for this episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. There is, there is a really, really good TDD talk, which
0: um, I would say we should put in the show notes and it basically changed my mind entirely on TDD. By the end of it, I was like, that's all I ever want to do from now on. <laughs> it's an, it's an uncle Bob one and it's fantastic.
1: Oh, well that's perfect. Yeah. yeah we can, if you can anyway. find that, we can drop it in the show notes. Uh, are you ready to cool jump into... To the second and most daunting, in my opinion, of The Solid Principles.
0: Yeah, I actually just read on one of these articles I'm looking at. As you, as I said that it was the most that single responsibility was the most pro- important. It says Robert C Martin considered this principle as the most important principle <laughs> um of object oriented design and that's referring to the open closed principle.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, here it is. So the the second one O stands for open closed principle and this one I will readily admit that I probably don't understand 100%.
0: Snap, yeah. This one I keep seeing good explanations of and then not quite uh, grasping it. We can touch on something we haven't spoken about regarding this, which is is also a part of this principle, is um, uh, access control. So this is the one thing that I do all the time, and it's just this basically covers encapsulation, this particular Mm -hmm. um, principle. So every object I have everything is private uh, Mm -hmm. apart from... So let's say if if you've got a variable that can be changed, you don't want something else, anything else, being able to change, to mutate that variable um, Mm -hmm. from outside, from another object. So you must create a function that... All it can do is it could just take a new new property in and then mutate it from there, but Mm -hmm. you shouldn't be able to mutate it from another object. Um, And if it's uh, if it's a variable it has to be it can be private so it just needs to be so you can initialize it but you can't access it or you can put set in brackets after the private so private Mm -hmm. set which means you can initialize it but you can also access it from another object you just can't mutate it from another object Mm -hmm. and that i use all the time and then from then on any function that doesn't explicitly need to be um, accessible outside of that object is made private, just all all the time, and I think think I'm right in saying that this particular part of this principle, the easier part to understand, is that, is encapsulation Mm. does that make sense? Yeah,
1: Yeah, no, that, that makes sense, um yeah, no, that, that's a very good example. And so what what the open-close principle is trying to get at is that you need to be able to add new functionality to your code without having it affect other parts of your program. Um, and it's it's really what protocols are used for in Swift. In fact, a lot of the solid stuff, it's kind of a big arrow pointing to the use of protocols and protocol-oriented programming, in my opinion. Um you know, with a protocol, you can write whatever functionality you want in each of the structs or classes that adhere to that protocol without the need to change the other structs or classes that adhere to that protocol. Um, and you had a very good example of this with a table view cell.
0: Yeah, this was, yeah, we're scrabbling around for, for good examples of this. Um, a lot of them can be quite confusing when you have a look online, especially if you're looking for Swift based ones. Um, but if you just consider, ui table view cell we are on a daily basis subclassing it or using a subclass of it now mm-hmm. it perfectly uses the open close principle have we mentioned it's open what it actually stands for oh you know uh, what?
1: i don't think we have
0: <laughs> so <laughs> it means you um every object should be open for extension but closed for modification uh, yes. which sounds a bit abstract but yeah you can <laughs> extend behavior so for instance you can make so extension can mean v- various things it doesn't mean in swift writing the word extension and extending it that way it's it, <laughs> yeah, confusing
1: yeah that's kind of a stumbling block with this one specifically because it uses a keyword in the definition itself that is not swift specific
0: yeah and it's yeah it's completely the opposite of what we would consider an extension to be really exactly. um, <laughs> the extension they're referring to can be anything it can be via an interface it can be um with a with a protocol no sorry not with a protocol um oh what's it called and uh, oh yeah uh, subclassing so if you create a subclass mm-hmm. of something that's what they would consider as an extension um mm-hmm. so you're extending on that functionality by making a new a new class so you're able to use that original functionality without modifying it and add additional functionality. Um, mm-hmm. And we, what we're talking about, oh, the table view cell example. It basically means we know that this is following the open closed principle because we can't go into table view cell and mess about with its functionality. When you call, uh, is there a re- uh, what's a common is there a reuse identifier on a table view cell? Yes, I think there is, isn't there? Like yeah. you. And oh that can be set. well there's well there's various examples of very of things that you can do with a table view that cell that you know you can always do regardless of what subclass you're working on, so you can set the background colour for instance and and things like this, and that just shows that it's obeying this principle perfectly if you mm-hmm. could go in and all of a sudden you're changing background colour, but it does something else. That would be that would mean it 's broken the open closed principle we, you have to be confident using a subclass that you're uh, i mean it 's very much like the next principle we 're talking about, but the <laughs> the parent class will do the same thing as it 's always done. I mm-hmm. think there there is a bit of crossover between these uh, between a lot of these and especially oh. open closed and the next one
1: well, do you want to get into the next one then um, yeah,
0: maybe we can kind of cover them at the same because- time.
1: Because yeah, open open close. Like I said, I'm probably that's probably the one that I'm the weakest on, out of the five. Um, but I feel like I understand the the next one pretty well. <laughs> um, which is well, kind you of want interesting. To take
0: this, <laughs> yeah, I've got I have a few examples. We have yeah, I have about three examples that we can go through as well. Did you want to Did you want to kick off on this one for
1: the Okay, yeah, let's for, let's do for it for the LSP. Yeah, go for
0: oh. it. Okay, well, um, the Liskov substitution principle. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, uh, do you have a, the uh, official definition that we can look at? Do you have, have that the, in front of you?
1: I, I, I have the not. one that you you okay. uh, sent over to me on on Slack. You said <laughs> I'm not reading that. <laughs> this for uh, oh, good luck. If you're listening to this I- on the commute, just. Good luck. It says, we need if, for oh, each okay. obje- e- if for each object O1 of type S, there is an object O2 of type T, such that for all programs P, defined in terms of T, the behavior of P is unchanged when O1 is substituted for O2, then S is a subtype of T. Should we move on to the next one now? <laughs> yeah, pretty, people probably have that, right? Like That's, that's not jargony. Yeah. <laughs> that's goodness. pretty... Pretty simple. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so if okay. you're still with us, what it basically means is that objects of one class should be able to be replaced by objects uh, of its subclass without breaking the program. Yeah. Um, so if I have an a class called Animal, and I subclass that Animal with uh, Dog, I have a class called Dog that subclasses Animal, I should then in my program, be able to substitute every instance I have of animal with an instance of dog, and my program should still run properly.
0: Is it not the other way around? That you should be able to swap every instance of dog with an instance of animal? That Uh, the child class should be able to be swapped out for its parent class? Maybe. Maybe. I think Maybe. I think that's what it is off the, off the top of my head, which which because I remember it confusing me for quite some time. Um, but yeah, the the animal example is the best one because we were saying okay, so let's let's say that your animal can talk. So you have a class of animal and it can talk. You have a dog and it can call talk and say woof. Um, and then you create another subclass called snail. Now snail snails in my mind can't talk so you've now got an issue here of you can call this talk functionality and then in animal you'll have to switch on talk to say oh is it a snail or is it does it you know you the the super class or the parent class needs to kind of be able to tell whether or not that can talk and it's like that mm-hmm. doesn't make sense that is an obvious uh issue mm-hmm. and um the way around that is you create um, another subclass off of animals. So you create an animal and the animal can't talk, but you have a talking animal and your dog conforms to talking animal and talking animal conforms to animal. So you just mm-hmm. create another level of abstraction and then your snail can just conform to animal. It doesn't need to talk and uh, Bob's your uncle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you go. And I, I do, I think it's because it says, you know, the behavior of P is unchanged when O1 is substituted for O. Two and 01 is the uh, is the subtype. Um,
0: yeah, I, those things that that really confuse. I actually tried to <laughs> get my head around that statement a few times. And I, yeah, I, <laughs> I did give up in the end. Um, all right, I have I, I do have another. Ex- uh, we've got the rectangle example, the shape yes. example.
1: Let's hear the rectangle example.
0: Okay, so the sh- this is this is the example that Uncle Bob uses loosely. This is the one he uses all the time. Um, So let's say you've got a class called rectangle and it has a width and it has a length. And then it has a way to calculate its area. So you can just call area and it will do width times length. So that will give you the area of the rectangle. So then Mm -hmm. you have a square and you say, okay, I've got a square and it's going to be a subclass of rectangle. Of course, because all squares are also rectangles. That's great. But then what happens is someone goes and a lot of this is to do with you you make your classes in a way they can't be misused by other developers. So Mm -hmm. someone might go, okay, my rectangle's length is 5, my rectangle's width is 2. Now, the issue is that Square's going to have to override... um, (laughs) (laughs) At some point, it's going to say, okay, when you set the width, it's going to set the length to the same as the width Mm -hmm. so that it's always correct and it can do the same to the length as well. So it's going to have... uh, the. It's basically it um a rectangle will return uh oh no that i don't want to give you the exact numbers that'll get too confusing <laughs> but, <laughs> but 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 ultimately what it means is that these it's oh, do, do, do backing up backing up it gives you the wrong information. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, because I've got what I've got written in my notes is something to do with the actual calculation that's gone on, which won't really mean anything to anyone. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so basically when you someone's gone ahead, I, right, okay, so if someone's gone ahead and they've set the, the length to five, the width to two, when you look at, um, they've set the length to five thinking that it's going to set the length, but it doesn't. That's, that That's is the issue. You can do things that don't behave the way you expect them to. Um, and that's what the substitution principle means it should always respond the same when you call the length it should set the length when you, when you call mm-hmm. the width it should set the width calling width shouldn't set length and width to be the same because it's, that is violating that principle and it's making an, an, an API for this object that's impossible to understand um, is mm-hmm. that, does that sound a bit clearer?
1: yeah, um, yeah that sounds
0: that makes sense and I guess we need the yeah. solution that it provides us. Um, <laughs> so a, a solution is that you'd have uh, a polygon, uh, which could be an interface, uh, or pro- sorry, a protocol. Um, for anyone listening, protocol and interfaces are the same. Um, in solid <laughs> principle, most, of the, most languages, I think use interface, um, but we use protocols. So yep, um, you'd have a po- polygon with an area and then your rectangle would be a, would be would conform to polygon your square would conform to polygon and that's it <laughs> yeah. so it's a simple that's the simple fix f- for it they both yep. behave differently but they both conform to the same um, interface
1: yeah again it's going back to kind of the idea of protocol oriented programming that's become kind of popular with swift
0: yeah, and I, I didn't realize really, but protocol to pro- programming is still OO. Is still OO, but it's um, it's just implementing solid principles to the nth m- yeah. degree. It's just doing it really <laughs> by the book, which is why it's so good, I guess.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you have anything um, else about the Liskov subst- substitution principle? Substitution principle.
0: Uh, not really, unless you do. So effectively, uh, what's the general definition? Is that Just just day-to-day... Yeah, sorry, go ahead.
1: Oh, no, I was going to say, you know, you should be able to, again, replace replace a superclass object with a subclass object and have things work properly. Um, Yeah. And
0: hopefully those two examples have... have cleared it up just a little bit i mean i know they were quite they were quite confusing to say let alone probably listen to but (laughs) but now you've heard the definition again hopefully it makes sense don't yeah so make sure that you're i think one of the things that a lot of these um oh we haven't actually okay yeah there's something quite important that we've kind of missed over a little bit in all of these is that when you change a a subclass your you might notice that your parent class ends up you end up with a switch statement and that switch statement is to say Is it this type? Is it that type? Is it that type? Is this the input? Is that the input? Is that the input? And you realise that with every if if every time you add a child class, something in your parent class needs to be changed, you need to fix that as soon as possible because that's violating (laughs) various principles. And um, I think that's the important takeaway to this because that's a way you can realise that you're doing it. You know you're doing it because you're having to have these massive switch statements and you're having to touch a class that's not the child class. And that's when you know something's gone wrong
1: right that's a that's the big indicator right when you and i were discussing the uh animal to dog um example on slack and you brought up the snail and i was like wait you're right how does that work um and it was the when you said you know you'd have to have a switch statement to make sure that your animal could talk that's that's when you know you're kind of going down the wrong path and you need to do something else and then the solution and that Example was to have another subclass of animal specifically for talking animals.
0: Yeah, and that uh, yeah, and you can, and I guess in in our protocol oriented way we would always generally lean on the side of having everything backed by an interface. And mm-hmm. uh, I guess that brings us quite neatly onto I the interface yeah. segregation principle. <laughs> well,
1: it's, well, it's the inheritance segregation principle, but it deals with interfaces. Uh, Whoa, well, no, it's not. It's, it it's really? the inher- inheritance segregation principle. No,
0: it's not. Hold on.
1: Don't don't <laughs> you lie to me.
0: Where did you get that from? Wait, interface uh, segregation. Interface segregation. <laughs> yeah, you think you're right. <laughs> Wait, uh, what well, did I hang on. A minute. What did I say?
1: You said you said interface. I have inheritance. Oh no, it's, it's interface. So I've found apparently both.
0: Oh well, it's.
1: Well, I've heard it. The idea I've heard it both ways. I've heard it both ways. Oh, I'm
0: sure you have. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, well, the, the 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 actual kind of solid definition of it, the, the Uncle Bob definition of it, is the Interface Segregation Principle, um, <laughs> and 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 it's and this is probably. I was saying this is pretty much up there as the, the simplest one, along with the uh, Single Responsibility Principle, because <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, if you don't mind me taking it away a little no, bit,
1: no, go for it.
0: It basically means break down your protocols ultimately. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, when I worked on my last app, well, in the in the company that I was working on, they had um, every every single view controller needed to conform to the same uh, protocol, which gave it lots of these uh, methods and. Not all of them were needed. Like, only some of them were needed. So you end up with noop, non-operational, written in them, commented (laughs) in them, and you've got a blank uh, implementation. If you ever find that you've got a blank implementation of a protocol somewhere, you've somewhere along the line violated the interface segregation principle because your protocol is too broad, it requires too many things, and it effectively uh, is easily fixed by splitting them up into smaller protocols and making sure... It just does everything it needs. Um, mm. You can go ahead, and I think I've got an example.
1: Yeah, no, that that makes more sense. I guess the classic definition is that uh, many client-specific protocols are better than one general-purpose protocol, right? Like, yeah. try to make the protocols as specific to what you're doing as possible because you don't want to litter your code with, as Ben said, a bunch of just random functions thrown into... Uh, thrown into an object or a a struct that adheres to a protocol just because that protocol is trying to cover everything possible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's quite, yeah, it's quite a clear uh so it's a nice simple one to understand this isn't it and it's and it's also easy to realize when you've done it wrong um i did pick up a nice example though um what is it so like so it's if you've got a video object so video has a title a description an author url etc mm-hmm. and you've got a play function which takes a video mm-hmm. now the play function all it needs to do is it needs to know um it needs to load the play ui um, it will set. It will load the content from a URL, and then it will need the title to show on the screen. It doesn't mm-hmm. need anything else, so there's no point passing all of these uh, all of these details into the play function, even if it is in the form of a single object. We're passing it a lot more than that needs, and the solution that they've provided, I think it was in the uh, the article I referred to earlier, is you have a playable protocol which just takes the title the url and the duration your video conforms to playable and then you just pass a playable into that play function um and it also means that it's not limited anymore to video so mm. anything so you can put music okay music you're now playable all you need is a title a url and a duration a duration and mm. it kind of you get all of these nice wins just by using these little protocols that that um that
1: replace just a massive um, interface. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah, no, that, that makes perfect sense. It's also more maintainable, right? Not only can you use um, playable in more places than a, a massive protocol, uh, you can now maintain those protocols more easily instead of, again, hunting through this massive Massive protocol that has all sorts of functionality defined, which isn't always used, uh, finding issues and, and updating old technologies becomes simpler.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's a simple concept and a really good reward when you, uh, when you actually implement it. And you, you will probably, st- like I did, stumble across a bunch of uh, people failing at this. I've seen, I don't know about <laughs> you, but I've seen so many empty
1: implementations in my time. Yeah, I've, I've seen a, a handful. Luckily, not too many, but it's it's easy to do, right? Um, especially if you start out with one one object or one structure class trying to conform to a certain protocol. And so you just put all of the functionality from for that object or type into the protocol without really thinking forward too much or yeah. looking ahead. And then, you know a year, two years down the line you th- you come up with some new functionality that needs that same kind of protocol but only a piece of it. Um yeah. breaking it down at that part, at that point becomes harder, right? And that's that's what a lot of this tries to do is is kind of make you think about your code in a way where you don't get stuck with one type of implementation, because how hard would it have been, been for you to go in and update that massive protocol into the small protocol, small protocols it should have been.
0: Um, it depends. Is always the answer,
1: <laughs> right? Well, I mean, if it if you have that protocol being used all over the app, and different. Oh, I see. Yeah, if it's different, different objects if it's
0: used like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and different objects only use certain pieces of it, but there was one object that you, or one type that used all of it. It it just becomes a hassle to the point where you just don't do it anymore. Yeah. Um. And Solid is basically saying, like, think about it enough to where if you do see yourself violating one of these principles, go and fix it immediately, and it's going to make your code better in the long run.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think... Yeah, it's, it's, a fa- it's a fantastic principle and it's something that I wasn't really, I never really knew that it was bad. Do you know, like, we mm-hmm. didn't like having to implement things, but we didn't know it was really technically against the rules, <laughs> if that <laughs> makes sense. So it's nice sure. to know I can go in there and confidently to another developer say, no, I w- probably wouldn't say it as, as such, but this violates this principle, we shouldn't be doing it like this. It's nice to have that kind of backup and say, this is bad software design.
1: Right, you can point to Solid and say these are kind of best practices. Why don't we see what we can do about refactoring this? Because it's only going to get harder. It's only going to get worse. It's not going to magically get better on its own. No,
0: no, <laughs> it, it, it just you just get a lot, you get very smelly code, and it gets more and more difficult <laughs> to work with. And yeah, it costs the company a lot more.
1: Exactly, um, and I think I think being able to um, frame your argument in that way will help you win the argument.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. It, maybe not to um your managers, but uh <laughs> they, they d- it's hard to really explain quite. I, I was listening to well, one of his talks today. Sorry, and he said um it, when you estimate software, you generally have to add uh <laughs> he said uh, even even when you add three times you meant to add three times the amount of time than you actually think it will take but even when you do that it will still end up taking three times that time so even when you (laughs) adjust for three times as long it will still be three times as long that's the rule
1: yep that's that's true well when i when i was talking about framing it i was uh i was merely like um pointing to the bottom line right like numbers and money is stuff that in my experience, managers tend to respond well to when you can frame your argument in that way. Yeah, like, yeah. Instead of you know maybe in a year or two having to spend four months fixing all of this code that will be broken, we can spend two months of it now. In the long run, we're going to save more money, and we'll be able to implement things faster.
0: Yeah, I think at the very yeah at the very least it's it allows you to write things that does that. Code that just doesn't bloat well as much as what you say. Like when yeah. you change things and you can just change it in one place and know that you're not affecting anything further down the line. It's just that must be a good feeling. But I <laughs> really get to work on an app that's quite that well produced. This the app that I'm about to work on. I think, is not going to be that that well made.
1: <laughs> well, good luck. Uh, so you're and ready for the final principle. I'm ready. All right, let's fin- let's finish strong. Let's finish strong Ahem. with the. Dependency inversion principle, and this simply states one should depend on abstractions, not concretions. Yeah, you got that? you got that. Are, you, are we done? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand it now.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's all you needed. Um, um, this is what so we what, do. Yeah, what what this really means again? It goes back to protocols. You know, try to use protocols where you're not defining functionality more than something concrete like a a class or a struct. Um, when you define a class and you define the functionality for it, you're, you're writing that functionality, and anything that subclasses that class either has to override that functionality or they get what that that superclass's functionality is. Um, and that's not really the best thing because then, again, you, you're coupled now. And overriding the functionality, it does decouple it, but it could also put you in a spot where you're not totally sure what's going to happen when a certain function gets called. Um, I've seen code that has had like, you know, a, a ridiculous hierarchy, right? Like class A, there's class A at the top, right? Then class B subclasses class A, class C subclasses class B, class D goes back in subclasses class a and they all try (laughs) to write they all try to write just ridiculous like everything needs to do kind of its own thing but not totally like class b will be mostly what class a does but with one function being different and it it gets hard to understand and the more overhead you put into your code like that the more likely you are to write something that will break
0: yeah this is such a fundamental uh principle isn't it it really makes you forces you to write really good code and um generally the the answer i think you you put it best was this is use protocols for everything (laughs) 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 that's basically what what this gets at and i think it also i don't know how you handle your dependencies but um I hear there's lots of ways you can do dependency injection, but I personally mm-hmm. have only ever really done it manually. So you just uh, in your in your object initializer, you pass in not objects but mm-hmm. interfaces. Yep. That, that's the key, and you just pass in every possible interface you might need for that particular class. So my class doesn't know anything about another object. All it knows is that I've got all of these abstract uh, protocols that I can access and I can use this functionality without any issues. So, mm-hmm. if I wanted to, I could pass in mock versions of all of that and the class would have no idea. So I could test it without any issues. Um, there, is, there is one example I have. Um, sure, let's hear my it. And by the way, that's, um, exactly,
1: okay. that's exactly how I've done uh, mocks with dependency in- injection as well.
0: Yeah, it sounds it sounds like quite a complicated thing to do dependency injection, but it really yeah. isn't. It's just initialize with initialize your objects with other objects that conform to. I'm going to make it even more compl- <laughs> complicated. <laughs> but yeah, so you initialize your objects with objects that conform to interfaces, not actual objects. Yep. Um okay, so the this is a really nice example, I think. So you've got you've got a class called core data and it has a save function on it. Great. Okay. So I can save to my, so it can save to core data. No problem. Mm -hmm. You have a core data helper and it initializes its own instance of core data. So it creates that core data object and it has a save function that can be called and it just calls core data dot cell dot save. Mm -hmm. Right. And then your manager comes up to you and says, we're moving over to realm. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and you and you go and this is a common scenario people switching out their database um and the dependency inversion principle helps us here because if we'd written the code correctly or in a way that obeyed this then we can switch out any database we want at any time and the rest of the app will not care it just as long as you conform to your the correct uh interface your in your interactors and your data services don't know where that data is coming from So Mm -hmm. the way you would do that is, for instance, having a protocol called database type, and that has the save method. So you can keep, uh, so you can have a class called core data, and it has a database, and it um, it conforms to to database type, and it has save. You can have a class called realm database, and that's a database type, and it has a save. Mm -hmm. So now, uh, you can create. Another object which is for instance a persistence helper that that your interactors always talk to and that is completely um, database agnostic so all it does is it initializes itself with some database type and that way it's completely hidden it doesn't know what the database is that it's using and your Mm -hmm. interactors don't know it's just using this persistence helper and That And that completely separates everything. That means they come up to you and say, hi, can we now use MongoDB? You just go, okay, yeah, I'll make it conform to database type (laughs) and I'll pass it into the persistence helper and it's done. And that's the sort of um, interchangeable code that you get with this principle. And uh, it's what I've always done. So every one of my objects for my presenter um, and my view controllers always are just behind a behind an interface they can never access each other directly and then the presenter will also have access to an interactor and they can only call each other in that same way Mm -hmm. and it yeah it's just it's fantastic sometimes we use the same view controller the same presenter and we can swap out the interactor and the view has no idea like the presenter has no idea that we're all of a sudden displaying completely different data (laughs) from a different data source and and all our tests are still in place so right. it's fantastic. It's a really good principle to follow. And uh yeah, it's probably yeah, it's core, isn't it?
1: Yeah, no, that's that's really awesome. In fact, I don't want to add anything to that because oh. you did such a great job explaining it. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. When you're talking was... you don't know what you're saying, I think. <laughs> no, that was wonderful. That was absolutely wonderful. So that's it. That's
0: all of the that's all of them, isn't it? <laughs>
1: that's it. That's S to the D. That's solid.
0: I wanted to quickly uh bore people for a second sure I, I have the oh actually that's complicated <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought I had a really nice kind of overview of each one but I don't it's actually a lot more complicated than it, uh, than it first seemed this is from the uh, clean architecture book but that mm. would take me quite some time to read out I think <laughs> but yeah if you, I, I highly recommend that book I think
1: okay yeah no that's that's awesome and thank you for that recommendation
0: Yeah, I mean, I've still got probably 60% of it to read. The actual solid principles only take (laughs) up the first maybe 20%. um, And then it goes on to other principles that most people haven't heard of, I think.
1: Sure. Yeah, no, I may have to pick up my own copy of that. Oh, that was intense. Yeah, it was. It was. (laughs) Um, There are no no real shout-outs this week. Um, If anybody needs any uh, further education, because, you know, I know that we... Probably probably didn't cover it 100%. Um, go ahead and check out our show notes. We'll have links to YouTube videos, uh, links to other kind of documentation that'll help supplement this episode. Oh, what about Heffertron? Do you see the, the stickers? Oh, yeah, no. Heffertron, uh, he did have some Fireside Swaft stickers. I mean, <laughs> Fireside well, Swift... Will. Fireside Swift is the only uh is the only podcast to officially have bootlegs we we bootleg our own stickers. We'll bootleg our own stuff. <laughs> I'm proud of it. Yes. Heck yeah. i really like Get- a fireside
0: swift sticker. <laughs> if if you, I know you will be listening, so if he doesn't mind, I'll uh, send you my address. <laughs> that's,
1: that's incredible. Yes. Um so yeah, I do actually wanna to, wanna to shout out Heffertron for for that. That was amazing. Um but yeah that's that's it. Do you have anything else said?
0: Um no, I hope um just this episode. It it may not have taught he may not have taught you enough about all of the principles, but hopefully it's instilled in you the the necessity for these principles mm-hmm. and how good they are to actually knuckle down on. And um, there's tons of good videos on YouTube. There's a playlist by Uncle Bob, or not by Uncle Bob, but it's of his things. You can just t- you can just go to YouTube and type um, Uncle Bob clean code, and it's something like 15 hour and a half long videos of all of his talks. Someone's just collated and <laughs> and there's a few TDD ones in there and things like that and it's just a really nice thing to get involved with especially if you're kind of beginning it's complicated but it's fundamental and it'll really help you get to the next level super quick
1: yeah no I agree um, I just urge everybody to go out and you know if we've introduced you to solid and you need more go, go learn more because it is uh, important to know yeah cool and, and I guess that's it for this week uh, y'all have a good one Cheerio.
2: It's such a good feeling to be at the end. A happy feeling, but there may have been a mistake or two. So we'd like to hear from you. Twitter's great, so Breaker might beat it. Email's fine, but we rarely read it. But we love five-star reviews. And we promise to mention you. So get a pen and write this down. <laughs> Just kidding, who's got pens around? Still they'd love to hear from you Steve Merard and Zach Belgue Tweet it Zach and have some fun At T-F-A-L-G-O-Y-A-T-1 At T-F-A-L-G-O-Y-A-T-1 He'll write back when his work is done Tweet it, Steve and you will see Clever use of the emoji At s w b. R A R D. Fireside Swift has its own handle So you can burn three sides of the candle At Fireside underscore Swift At Fireside underscore Swift And if your message is a little too long There's Farside_Swift at gmail.com And FiresideSwift.com FiresideSwift.com
1: Uh, so you've, you've gone keto, huh? Huh?
0: Yeah. Huh. T- uh How long have I been doing that? Um, yeah, I've been doing it seven days now. Um, zero carbs for seven days. I'm feeling pretty good. Um, yeah. Yeah, everything seems to be going well. Like it's surprising. You, you kind of. I'm not really craving much apart from today because it's so hot. I'm craving <laughs> a lot of ice cream, a lot of uh, uh, feasts, which are delicious. Don't even, yeah. Do you have feasts over there? Feasts, no feast. Oh, they're like like hard chocolate surrounded in like I- chocolate ice cream, and then an outside coney thing with with extra little bits of chocolate on top it's super delicious but it's about 20 grams of carbs so that's my <laughs> entire day's <laughs> allowance gone yeah so um yeah i'm not doing that but yeah it's working treat i think I've, i think i'm a few pounds down um like uh, sally's doing it with me as well and she's a few pounds down and we've been eating like pretty much like king's just carbless so just everything's covered in butter it's just <laughs> loads of bacon uh like Pork scratchings, just all like that stuff what? that you shouldn't have. We can just What's? have as much as we want. I've just been eating cheese.
1: <laughs> What's a pork scratching? That's not a term we have um, over here. We have uh, like cracklings or pork yes, rinds. Yeah, Is that the same?
0: Yeah, it's exactly that. It's like just okay. little bits of crackling. And, a, and I've never really eaten them before, but I know that they're just insanely high in salt and fat. So they're <laughs> just the ideal snack to have, and they're, they're yes. super delicious.
1: It's it's crazy. We live in a time where pork rinds are considered like a diet food.
0: Yeah, you can do high intensity <laughs> exercise for three minutes a day, and then just eat fat the rest of the day, and you're going to get it shredded.
1: <laughs> that's great. That's all you need. Oh. That's follow Mister face workout advice. My Swiftfoot <laughs> diet. Yeah. All you need, all you need is three minutes of working out and a bag of pork rinds.
0: <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> yeah, follow me. You'll be fine. <laughs> I know That's it's a thing with developers. They want to try and get in shape and not, not just sit at their computers all day. Just eat yes. pork scratchings yeah. and do uh, some hit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, take a break. Do uh, three minutes of, of push-ups and high knees and uh, burpees and then just pork rinds and you're good.
0: Honestly that it sounds ridiculous doesn't it but that well you would probably die at some point
1: because <laughs> well, we're all going to die at some point
0: yeah, but yeah exactly you might just die a bit quicker but your loo should be shredded right you'll you'll look good in the coffin
1: is that what you're saying yeah,
0: yeah you'll you'll flex to someone they'll go wow and then you'll just drop dead it, yeah, because you because you should just you st- you should still eat a lot of vegetables that are kind of uh, like above ground vegetables. I found out just now that that cabbage is full of carbs, and I've just mm-hmm. been chomping on cabbage. For, oh, like, the last yeah, throughout the week, so I need to uh, lay off that a little
1: bit. Yeah, stay stay away from the underground vegetables. You don't know what, what those have been up to. Yeah, they've got They're
0: all like, yeah, sh- I like, like, sh- can't eat. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Carrots and potato, obviously potatoes, but potatoes, yeah, even yeah. carrots and things I can't have. Um, but what I can have is delicious, so I can't complain too much. But it's good if if you ever want to do a quick diet before some kind of uh, event, it's definitely the way to go. I think
1: a couple of weeks of that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. i uh, i tried <laughs> I tried low carb, no carb type stuff in college once, and uh, I stuck with it for a couple of weeks. By the end. Of that that two week trial period, I guess I was like I was sleeping through classes. Uh, I was exhausted all the time. Um, I had no energy at all. You <coughs> must, must have been doing something wrong. <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> know. I, I don't know. I just I go through. I don't know if my metabolism just needs needed the extra energy. I'll say needed the extra energy because my metabolism is definitely not what it used to be in college. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, it, it, it was- wrecked me like hard that's
0: really surreal because like the main thing that you hear from most people that do it is that you have a lot more energy and you're a lot more focused throughout the day and you don't have those energy slumps anymore which I've definitely Mm -hmm. noticed so after eating I feel just as good as I did beforehand but when you have a load of carbs of course it causes you to get quite lethargic and (laughs) that's why people fall asleep in the afternoon
1: yeah yeah so I don't know what happened to you. <laughs> no, you're, I have no unlucky. clue what happened to me. Yeah, I, I, I haven't tried it again since then, and I'm wondering if you know that was that was a few years ago. Uh, things may be a little bit different now, so I, it may be something I try. But you, you're skinny. You're like you're. You look tiny. So what? Yeah, what not, are you doing on a diet? I'm. I'm
0: trying to get. Well, technically, I'm trying to get from the scos telling me i 'm sixteen percent body fat to for them um, uh, all the way to twelve percent body fat that's that's my kind of goal okay. at that point uh, but but I mean at the moment i've been training hard and eating quite well but on various diets for the last two and a half months mm-hmm. and it's almost exactly where it started <laughs> like it, went, it just started going up i was training really hard a couple of times a day eating well calorie restriction and my weight with my fat was going up my weight was going uh, my weight was going down my fat was going up so it was all wrong oh, and this is the no. only one
1: <laughs> it was crazy and, you're losing muscle yeah. and gaining fat is that what was happening
0: that's what the, that's what the charts say and that's what they still say to be fair oh. Oh, i think it's a broken machine well that's <laughs> i mean that's yeah.
1: one of the most discouraging places you can find yourself when it comes to working yeah. out, right? Like you're like, no, I'm doing I'm putting in all this work and effort and the exact opposite of what I want to happen is happening.
0: It's brutal. I think I I think the the I test, I think I can see my body fat going down, but mm-hmm. the scales just aren't going alongside alongside it. But I've got one more week <laughs> until the honeymoon, which is uh, the following Monday, or the previous mm-hmm. Monday, depending on when this goes out. And um Th- third of September, and that's mm-hmm. when I will know. I just want one picture of me looking like reasonably not out of shape, <laughs> and then and then that's it. I'll just get back on the food.
1: Wait, are you doing all of this just to send me another half naked picture of yourself on your honeymoon? Is this yeah, what's going on? Well, you you, you were like, last I got time, it. So this I got to Do it, really it for fireside. <laughs> <laughs> this
0: time you, go, God, ben, you, you look. You look incredible now. Oh, last time you look like. <laughs>
1: That's amazing. Um, yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> well, I cannot wait to see that selfie.
0: Yeah, and it'll be in the Maldives <laughs> as well on our little water villa we've got. Oh,
1: now I'm jealous.
0: Yeah, it should it should be nice. It's gonna. I I will tell you later or earlier about the job that I've been offered and may take. Yeah, that's okay. an exciting story. I think. Well, not yeah. Really. I mean,
1: it, but at least I don't exciting. have to
0: scrounge around.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean you've been at it for s- how many months now four um
0: i well three uh, so june july or so two and a half months uh okay. the first month doesn't count because i wasn't looking i was just getting ready to my <laughs> wedding i thought i'd have four weeks okay. off um, and then i thought oh okay it's june I'll, I'll start looking for a job and of course then everything went at that moment there's like no jobs available now um it's only now that it's picking up so yeah. yeah i'm pleased that it has because i'm now at the at the very bottom of my funds and i need to start from the ground up again
1: yeah but i mean it's it's good that you had the wherewithal like you knew you you knew what you needed to do and you had a date by when you needed to do it right so you could be selective for a bit uh, and kind of yeah. get to know what's out there um so yeah, yeah, no, I'm, it was I'm happy to surreal. hear that you're uh, you got that offer.
0: Yeah, thank you very much. Um, just I, 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 yeah, I'll uh, I'll tell you about it later. I think I'm I think it's going to be horrible, but we'll see how no. it goes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Although if they're listening, I can't wait. <laughs> it's it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> he says that kind yeah. of stuff all the time. Don't worry about it.
0: Yeah, I do. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um. Yeah.
0: Uh, anyway, oh man, I'm just gonna go and pass out. I won't be a sec.
1: Ding! That's for that's for Mr. Mc- McSwiftface.